Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 124 of the Brown County Hour. This is Sarah Lytle. And Dave Seastrom, along with the rest of the crew. This month, our musical guest is Dave Sisson, and we'll share his interview along with three of his songs recorded in our studio. We have a conversation with Rachel Perry about her latest book, Painter of the Dunes, The Life of Frank Virgil Dudley, and Will Scott tells us about the Hill Folk Music Series in the Brown County Inn. Our own Chuck Wills has a few words to share about the fingerstyle guitar competition taking place later this month. We also have essays from Jim Eagleman and Dave Seastrom. The show begins with our interview with Dave Sisson. Jim Eagleman shares his essay about the Bean Blossom Bioblitz. And we'll close this segment with Dave Sisson's original song, Little Whiskey. We've got the great pleasure tonight to have our good buddy Dave Sisson in our studio, and he just played three songs for us that were absolutely wonderful, so you're going to be hearing those at some point here during the show. But welcome, Dave. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We were talking the other day, and I don't remember exactly how you and I became acquainted. It was way back, but I've probably known you since you were a wee child. I remember you from Boy Scout meetings. Oh, yeah. Because I was pretty close to Jesse's age. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to say, one reason I know you is because of your mom. Yeah. And your mom worked at Andy's Kitchen there at Belmont when there was a bait store, a gas station, and Andy's Kitchen. Okay? So all the locals called that the Belmont Mall. Okay? So uh, Mellencamp dubbed his studio the Belmont Mall. So your mom's part of history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard a few stories about John and the band, and it was uh, fun times back then. Yeah. Your last name's Siston, but I think there's a couple bunches around, but you're from around uh, Bean Blossom, is that correct? Yeah, in that area. Well, yeah. a little closer to Helmsburg. Okay. Yep. What got you interested in playing the guitar and singing? And One of my earliest memories, my mom took me to see B.B. King when I was really little. 
That was my first concert. Oh, that'd do it. So that had a pretty big impact on me. So for as long as I can remember, I wanted to play guitar. And my dad got me one when I was 11, I think, an electric guitar. Oh, wow. So I stubbornly played electric guitar for a long time, probably 10 years before I ever tried to sing or write a song. So that was my first passion was blues and electric mm-hmm. guitar. Did you ever play with a band in particular? Yeah. Um, you know, like most teenagers, I played heavy metal and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. And that was fun in high school. But then I started hanging out in town at Muddy Boots, and that's when I first started dabbling in acoustic music and eventually singing and writing my own tunes. You seem to get around town quite a bit and play with a whole lot of people, And mm-hmm. but uh, you, you've played with almost everybody in town, Hammer and the Hatchet. And, oh, and you used to go to um, Otis's jams, didn't you? Yep, yep. Yeah. I definitely love bluegrass. It's not... It's not what I do best. I'd say I'm more of a singer-songwriter, but I love bluegrass. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things I like about this town is it's a very organic music scene. Yeah, There's a lot of times I'll go see my friends play, and I don't want to just walk in with a guitar, but I, a lot of times they'll, they'll ask me to get up for a song or two. So I like getting to play with John and Jamie and Frank Jones and just quite a few other, other people around town. Could you give your guitar playing a style name because i know when when i see you come into uh, open mic night at the brown county inn often and uh, you sure throw in a lot of notes (laughs) i think that comes from back when i played more electric guitar and i'm i'm sure i'll start other bands in the future where electric is more of the the showcase but i don't know i i would just call it americana um I feel like people use the term bluegrass in this town kind of loosely, yeah. and I'm I'm kind of a purist, a traditionalist. I love Bill Monroe, I love Jimmy Martin, but that's just not quite what I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. And I got to give I know I said his name a minute ago, but I got to give Frank Jones props because he was one of my first real teachers, and so he showed me a lot on guitar and taught me how to really capture a song. Yeah. I was going to ask if you ever actually studied guitar, you know, like some people go to a guitar institute of technology or no, something I've, like that. You just picked it up from people you were jamming with. Pretty stuff. much. I've taken a, a handful of lessons, but it's mostly self-taught. Yeah. But now it's, it's great because everybody can just go on YouTube and you can see how they play it and a lot of the people break it down and show you the the notes in slow patterns. Well, so what are you up to now? Currently, I'm working on my first album, I guess you'd say. Um, I've been working with Keenan Rainwater at his studio, and I've got about 10 or 11 songs that we've recorded. We're going to do a little bit of mastering, and then hopefully I'll have a, a CD out by this fall. Okay. I don't have a title yet. I'm not sure how big of a run we're going to do, but it's definitely in the works. Okay, well, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, but you're uh, playing around town frequently, so everybody watch for the name, Dave Sisson. You can see me at the Ferguson House yeah. or the Nashville House or the Brown County Inn. Yeah. I'm usually there at least once a month. Well, good. Well, we'll be looking for you. I am on Facebook. It's just my name, Dave Sisson. 
But if you're curious to see a little bit more of my music, there are some videos on the stream. That's Keenan Rainwater's uh, YouTube channel. Right. And uh, I'm sure I'll be doing some more performances on there in the future. He's he's done a really great job of showcasing a lot of the local talent. So yeah. I know the Hammer and Hatchet have been on there, and a lot of a lot of local performers. Yeah, he's providing a nice service to our community. Oh yeah, so, it's a great resource. Yeah, and I think I'm one of the first people to do like a full album there. Oh wow! But hopefully there'll be more of that in the future. Well, Dave, we love having you and uh, excited about getting these songs sequenced into our program. So, well, I appreciate you guys having me and it's been a pleasure playing for y'all. Yep. This past Saturday, I attended a bio blitz conducted by the Sycamore Land Trust at Bean Blossom Bottoms Natural Area in Monroe County. If you're a nature lover, like to hike different sites around Brown County, or maybe heard about this natural area, you most likely are impressed with the network of boardwalks and elevated platforms that allow access to this large wetland. The Sycamore Land Trust has expanded this preserve over the years to maintain and protect this valuable wetland corridor and bottomland forest. A bio-blitz is an attempt to gather as much information about what lives in a particular area. Teams of scientists, students, and volunteers help gather information as they inventory, sample, and investigate. Records are compiled at the end of the day. Bio-blitzes used to be conducted within a 24-hour period. This timed event was and still can be a friendly way for various teams to compete against one another. I'm sure this good-natured way still exists with some bio-blitzes conducted throughout the country. But the Sycamore event was conducted with no competition between teams, necessarily. Rather, they simply went out onto the preserve and recorded their sightings. The Indian Academy of Science was represented well. Nearly 80 academics from many of the natural sciences attended, along with several graduate students interested in what they might find other professionals from the Nature Conservancy, the Indiana DNR, joined students from IU, Purdue, and Ball State to conduct their own surveys. As you can imagine, at the end of the day on Saturday, a lot of information had been gathered to give a fairly accurate assessment of what exists at the Bean Blossom Bottoms Natural Area. Teams comprised of investigators were divided into their particular area of expertise. The various topics to study are called taxa, and taxonomic teams assembled by 8 a.m. at the large base camp near the Bean Blossom Bottoms parking lot. Taxa teams of birders, botanists, and herpetologists spread out all morning over the 800-plus acre preserve, coming back to base camp for a box lunch supplied by the Sycamore staff. After lunch, teams returned to continue their field work and then gathered at the end of the day for a supper at a Bloomington restaurant. To get an accurate sampling of birds, for example, some teams returned in the evening to record owls and whippoorwills. The herp team recorded different frogs and toads, and insects, insects were sampled at nightlights installed earlier. Those records were compiled the next day and added to the data the Sycamore staff had assembled. What will become of all this information gathered at this one-day event at the Bean Blossom Bottoms Preserve? Who will benefit 
from knowing now what exists there? Is the data simply stored in notebooks and then maybe forgotten? To accurately manage what animals, birds, reptiles, and insects live in a particular area, you have to know what lives there. Rare or less common species of plants and animals, for example, maybe reptiles, may require an alteration of the habitat. Some species are healthy and show no sign of needing any further attention, while some are living in marginal surroundings. What the sycamore staff will learn is what is there, how it can be more effective in creating what's needed, and why Indiana wetlands continue to be so valuable to prevent flooding they create habitats for a variety of plants and animals. And for our benefit, it allows access on the preserve to walk along and enjoy this unique place. On this particular Saturday, by simply agreeing to show up and collect information, the Indiana County of Science Academics, DNR biologists, and HEE students, and many volunteers confirmed their support for Indiana's natural areas and that the Sycamore Land Trust and other land managing agencies had preserved these areas. And you won't know their value yourself until you walk the boardwalks and the trails at the many sites in Brown and Monroe County administered by the Sycamore Land Trust. Hats off to the great staff at the Sycamore Land Trust for sponsoring this event. The more we know, the better we can take care of these precious areas, be more effective stewards and pass them along to future nature lovers. Look up sycamorelandtrust.org and learn what this great organization is doing to keep Indiana natural, wild, and accessible. For the Brown County Hour and this segment of Nature Ramblings, I'm Jim Eagleman. All right, this song's called Little Whiskey. It's one of my earliest songs, and it's, uh, it's all about playing music out on the street corner. This old town and sit around and play the blues. And I don't blame you for all you've done. You made it out with your back to the setting sun. Crooked heart, both made plans, stumbling through the dark. Give me a smoke for the ride home, a little whiskey for my soul. And try to stumble home. Gravel roads, they take me home. They 
Take me to places I shouldn't go So darling, help me with this next line I play my part and I won't waste your precious time Give me a smoke for the ride home A little whiskey for my soul And try to stumble home There ain't a damn thing For a man to do In this old town and sit around Play the blues in this old town and sit around and play the blues. Now we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio. WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Support for WFHB comes from Our Brown County, a magazine for locals and visitors featuring art, entertainment, and county characters since 1995. Printed six times a year and available online. More at OurBrownCounty.com. This segment begins with Chuck Wills sharing information about the Fingerstyle Guitar Competition. And we'll hear some music from a previous event. We'll share our conversation with Will Scott about the ongoing Hill Folk Music Series. And Dave Sisson plays a Sam Love song called Highway 45. It's that time of year again for the Indiana State Fingerstyle Guitar Festival, and we're happy to have our own Chuck Wills in the studio to tell us about it. Hi, Chuck. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me in. So, this event has been going on for a number of years, hasn't it? Yeah, this is actually our 11th year of putting on the show, and it's always been the last weekend in July, so this year we have our free Friday night party on the 29th, and then the big guitar competition and the evening concert on Saturday the 20th. So the party takes place at the Brown County Inn, and as I said, it's free to the public, so anybody can show up and enjoy the music. And we will actually have two stages running this year, one outside under the big tent and one inside at the bar. And we'll feature the competitors that will be in the next day's event doing some longer sets, as well as some of our past guitar competition winners. So the outside stage will be running by about 7 p.m., and then inside at the bar will start at 8 and go until 11. So who all is playing? Well, you know, over the years, we've had musicians come in from all over the world, like Japan, China, Australia, Turkey. Global pandemic kind of changed that up for the past couple years. But this year, we've got 25 musicians coming in, mostly from the U.S., 
but one of our favorites is returning from Japan. His name is Hikaru Komatsu, and he won third place in 2017, and he's coming back to be with us again this year. We're so excited to see him. He's like Chet Atkins incarnate. He's really amazing. Yeah. We've also got a number of other returning champions uh, that are going to be headlining our Saturday night concert. Cade Puckett, who is well-known around here, he won our event in 2013. He's coming back. Bill Russell won in 2018. Adam Cantor won last year. And they'll all be on the stage Saturday night uh, along with Christy Lanie. And Christy performed with us in 2019 and is one of the few women that has won the international fingerstyle competition. And she'll be our headliner on Saturday night and always puts on an amazing high-energy show. I think right after this, we're going to play a clip from when she was with us in 2019, so you can hear it for yourself. Well, how did this event get started? Well, um, Kara Barnard, well-known local musician, she and I are co-producers and co-founders. She and I met when I was her guitar student way back in 2008, and she had competed in events like this guitar competition since the 1970s and always wanted to start one here in Brown County. Um, I had the background in event planning, and so we put our heads together and decided to make it happen. We started planning early in 2011 and launched the first event in July of 2012. Um, We also had the help from some great local people in the community in putting it together, folks like James and Betsy from the Pine Room and Muddy Boots, and the Brown County Playhouse, they were all instrumental in getting us off the ground. So, you know, each year we try to make the event a little bit better and uh, try to show real Brown County hospitality to everybody that joins us. Oh, one important thing to note, this event is one of eight fingerstyle guitar events in the world that's accredited and leads up to the International Festival and Competition in Winfield, Kansas. And 25,000 people show up to that event. It's nuts. And we're one of the stepping stone events for players to get there. Wow. Um, Specifically, what is fingerstyle guitar? Well, technically, it's any type of playing where you don't use a pick. You just use your thumb and your fingers on the strings. Uh, Some of the greats of this style were Chet Atkins and Merle Travis. What they played is often called thumb style because the players use their thumb to play an alternating bass line and then play melody Uh, over the top of that with their fingers. And the musicians that are really good at that can make one guitar sound like a whole band. There's more modern versions of fingerstyle that use more percussive techniques where they use both hands to tap on the strings and then keep rhythm by striking the body of the guitar with their other fingers. There's a big difference between that and traditional thumb picking, but they're all under the fingerstyle umbrella. So where and when does this happen? The Free Friday Party is at the Brown County Inn, starts at 7 p.m. on Friday, July 29th. And then there are two events on Saturday, July 30th, both at the Brown County Playhouse. Uh, The guitar competition starts at 11 a.m. and the evening concert with Christy Lanie is at 7.30 Saturday evening. And you can find out more at indianastringfest.com or at browncountyplayhouse.org. Well, it sounds like an absolutely tremendous event, and I know many people are looking forward to this. Thank you so much, Chuck, for sharing this information. Thanks for having me in, Dave. I'm a passenger on planet Earth. I belong to the universe. Got a body 
me to fashion bones. Got a pass and I'm free to roam. Climb the stairs, make my way to the stars above. Yeah. I'm a member in the state of love. Oh yeah. I'm moving at the speed of light. Got a ticket to paradise. All along these heavenly streets, see your light shining back in me. Oh, my brothers and sisters got it here. My heart is open and my mind is clear. Oh, yeah. I'm one of seven billion. Pretty white lights here spinning. Moving in circles around the sun. I am the sea, the mountain. I am here, the now. I'm in every Got a pass and I'm free to roam. Climb the stairs, make my way to the stars above. Yeah. I'm a senator in the state of love. One seven billion pretty white lights here spin, moving in circles around the star. I am a
When I first moved to this area, I'd come to Nashville to shop for music. Discovering that I love slide guitar and good storytelling, friend Pamela Keach said, then you have got to hear this guy. He's toured for over two decades in Europe and the U.S. He's a gifted songwriter with a distinct sound and haunting voice that New York Press called as thick as blood. But he's not here to talk about his music, but the music in Brown County. So let me introduce one of the first musicians to get me off my seat and on my dancing feet, Mr. Will Scott. So why Nashville? What got you here? There's music in the hills. Ah, good answer. Well, you know, I've played a lot of places in my life, all over, you know, this side of the pond and the other side of the pond, not all over in England but uh, or Europe, but uh, quite a bit over that side. And uh, there's something down here where people will make a step or two towards you to want to hear the music. And they come down here to listen. And there are a lot of towns where you really have to fight to get them to listen. Yeah. And this is a place where it's just really, it's not exactly a listening crowd, but it is a place where people want to come down and they expect to hear the music. It is a crowd that appreciates the music. You bet. Even when the tourists come down, they get folded into that crowd and they understand that's what's expected. And I quite like that. And of course, the other thing is I've just had the honor of being welcomed into a really amazing music community down here that, uh, you know, that's really a gift for me to have that and to feel like we're not in competition. We're working together and trying to bring each other up and support each other. And that's been really wonderful. When we talked earlier, you mentioned that you wanted to help make this a music destination and not just have music be an afterthought. Oh, I think I'm just surfing on that wave. Yeah? I don't necessarily feel like I'm at the front of it. I feel like that Brown County is becoming more of a music destination. If I've been here seven or eight years playing music, initially there were a lot of venues that would have music. And people would come out and they'd see that music, but it was it was kind of a second thought. But these days, since the Brown County Music Center is now getting its feet after COVID and things are coming down that pike, I feel like more and more people are coming down here specifically to see the music, not specifically to see the leaves necessarily or specifically to get away and go camp at the park. Um, and I've, I've definitely seen more of that at my own shows and I've seen more of that in promotion and I've seen a lot of the venues stepping up and doing more work on promoting the music as a feature, as an event. So folks that don't really know about the Hill Folk Music, tell us a little about that. The Hill Folk Music Series, uh, I helped to launch uh, in 2021, and it came out of a discussion with the owners at Brown County Inn, uh, where we were talking about really having something to bring people out on a Thursday night. The thought was, let's focus on local acts and try to build a crowd around that people that want to hear that kind of music, that roots music broadly defined, then allow us to bring in some touring acts and support them also in the same ilk, you know, mm -hmm. with a similar style that we thought that built-in crowd would enjoy as well. And that's worked beautifully. We've had Tyrone Cotton and Feathered Mason and so many great people, you know, come by. And, it, you know, what hill folk music is in terms of a definition, it's, I'm not going to say that it's hill folk if I say so, but it's one of those things like twang where you kind of know it if you know it. And it's a mix of roots, folk, blues, Americana, mostly acoustic, some songwriters, mm -hmm. uh, not so much pop songwriters, but songwriters that are kind of in that rootsy vein. 
and uh, been really thrilled with how it's gone over the past uh, year or so. Basically, I gave the series a name and put up a Facebook page and an Instagram. That Facebook page, by the way, is forward slash Hill Folk Music Series, if you're looking for it. It's also Hill Folk Music, I think, series on Instagram, if you want to get updates. Now, coming up, we have uh, July 7 with Coot Crabtree, who is definitely Hill Folk Music, Luke Knight and Leanne Stutler. And then the 14th of July, we have New Augusta Bluegrass Band, which are loved locally, wonderful folks. The 21st, we have Nick Dittmeyer solo, who uh, you might know from Nick Dittmeyer and the Sawdusters. Okay. Wonderful band. Uh, the 28th of July, we have Warren Byram up from Lexington, Kentucky. And we've known each other for years and years. He's a great songwriter and also a great trumpet player. And then uh, on the 4th of August, John Boyer and Jamie Hood. This is in the round as well with a surprise guest. And then July 15, I'm going to be doing a birthday show with a fella whose birthday is very near to mine. Uh, I've heard of him once or twice. His name is Chuck Wills. <laughs> and of course, July 29, uh, I wasn't allowed to book anything because someone's having a fingerstyle guitar competition. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And you ought to come out and see that because there's some wonderful players coming out there, wonderful pickers. So that's the short list. If you want to find out more, check out the Brown County Inn website. Uh, you can also look for listings at the uh, Convention and Visitor Bureau. You're a fabulous resource, and I really appreciate you being a part of our community, and I want to thank you for coming in. Thank you so much, sir. Prize Pies and Lies by Gunther Flum. Brown County has its county fair, and I admit I'm always there to be a judge for man or beast because they say I cheat the least. Because to be a county judge, it means at times you've got to fudge for if an entry is your wife, one wrong vote can change your life. Since I ain't married, I don't care. That's why they claim I judge them fair. But there's one job I wanted much, yet it was one most wouldn't touch. For every judge who dares to try it often starts a county riot. Is all year long we have this feud on how this one gal bakes her food. And then some judge forgets and tries to call it fair when judging pies, as just one bite was all they ate to make their choice and seal their fate. 
You see, that gal will always win. She beats her friends and next of kin because the contest has a curse. They say the money in her purse seems to guarantee she buys third and second and first place prize. At least that's what some folks will claim is the reason for her fame. And so this year, it was my luck as other judges passed the buck that I became the one to judge the cakes and cookies, pies and fudge, a dream I'd had since in my youth. But now I face the ugly truth that in our county they told lies about what's in them winning pies. For even though her crust was thin, by my default she got her win. Since as the judge I dare not try her poison ivy roadkill pie. I'm dumb, but I ain't stupid. All right, the next song I'm going to do is uh, was written by a friend of mine. His name's Sam Love. He's a great local songwriter. I've been in many bands with him, so i just like to give him credit. It's called Highway 45. And I've 
I've been thinking I'd die for nearly 15 miles With waves behind my eyes I think I lost my mind on Highway 45 I think I lost my mind on Highway 45 Now we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 in Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Support for the Brown County Hour comes from listeners like you and the support of the Brown County Inn, a family-friendly getaway destination located in Nashville, Indiana, offering locally sourced food, drinks, and live entertainment with banquet space, indoor-outdoor pool, miniature golf, and more. Information and booking available at browncountyinn.com. In our final segment, we'll listen to our interview with Rachel Perry as she discusses her latest book, Painter of the Dunes, the Life of Frank Virgil Dudley. Dave Seastrom has an essay about an electrifying experience, and we'll close the show with Dave Sisson's original song, Curse the Rain. Well, good evening. I'm here with Rachel Perry, my good friend and wonderful author. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Uh, we're discussing her latest book called Painter of the Dunes, um, A Life of Frank Virgil Dudley. I love this book. It was easy reading, all the old photographs, vivid descriptions. You really captured the temper of the times. And it's all about the dunes, obviously. What got you into um, this painter? Well, when I was a fine arts curator at the Indiana State Museum, we had quite an extensive collection of Dudleys, as maybe mentioned in the book. Because Frank Dudley had land that was taken over by the state park, he was allowed to give one painting each year for his rent in exchange for being able to keep his cottage and his studio. So the state got quite a few paintings from Dudley for that, and then also later his widow sold a bunch more Dudleys to the state. But it was interesting because after, I think, maybe 14 years, Dudley's paintings became worth more than would have been the rent for a year, so he just stopped exchanging paintings and started painting the cash. And in the beginning of his life, he didn't think he could make a living as a painter. No, he actually was very discouraged um, and didn't really hit, you know, hit his mark until he was in his 50s. That's when he started concentrating only on painting the Indiana dunes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an exciting story because it's all about the dunes, which I didn't know that much about. And for over a century, they wanted to make it a national park. And that just happened in, what, 2019? Right. It is our state's first national park. Mm -hmm. 
there, of course, there, was, there were huge fights all along the way for over 100 years of people trying to save the dunes. And they have managed to save a considerable amount. But anyone who's from Brown County or used to hiking in southern Indiana, it's a shock when you go up there because uh-huh. you can see the, the cooling towers and everything right from the beach. And the first time I went there, I was thinking, Really? I mean, people are all excited about this, but you kind of have to look at it as glass half full instead of Mm. glass half empty. It's really amazing the things that they have managed to save. Yeah, it was uh, all of Gary, U.S. Steel, you said in the book, and and Indiana had a deep water port built, and it was just really a a fascinating story. And he was, uh, speaking of Brown County, boyhood friends with Adolph Schultz. Exactly. Which I found that was an interesting connection. So So to put him in context, he was about the same generation as the Brown County Art Colony. He was born in 1868 and lived until 1957. Mm -hmm. So he was just about the same age as a lot of the people who came down from Chicago and started the Brown County Art Colony. And he was originally from Wisconsin, but another tie-in with Indiana was both his parents were deaf. Yes. and And the mother went to the deaf school, Indiana Deaf School. Right. They still do have a big deaf school in, in Delavan, which is where his mother and father met. Well, uh, you must have made several trips up there because all the photos, those old original photos were really amazing. A lot of those photos are from the archives, the family archives of Frank Dudley. And there was a gentleman named James Dabbert who mm-hmm. wrote the real Dudley books. This is Dudley Light, is what I call it. Um, it's uh, part of a youth biography series for the Indiana Historical Society. So it's it's really a, a kind of a condensed version. And uh, Mr. Dabbert was very uh, generous with photos from the archives. And then also I went to Delavan Historical Society and had a big confab with the lady there who was there by herself in that place. And I don't think she'd talked to anybody for 15 years or something. But anyway, she had lots to say. <laughs> and um, Delavan was an interesting place because it was uh, a place where a lot of circuses wintered. It was kind of like Peru, Indiana. There were elephants that escaped and ran amok down the the town streets and things like that. There were a lot of interesting Mm -hmm. stories um, about that town. Um, And it became kind of a touristy place because there was a big lake right next to Delavan, Delavan Lake. Your book is available in local bookstores? It's available at the Brown County Art Gallery I think it's available at Morgan Stern. Well, this is like your sixth book in a series of artists, right? Yeah. Are you ready to start your next project? Are you thinking about another book? Well, um, I've been negotiating a couple things, and so far nothing's come through, so we'll see. Okay. Well, wonderful to talk to you, and like I said, I really enjoyed the book. It's an easy read. Well, thank you for having me, Pam. You're welcome. The other day, while I was out working the garden, it looked like a big storm was rolling in. And my wife, Becky, who was always looking out for me, 
came out to the garden to warn me back to the house by saying, you could get struck by lightning. Well, this is certainly true. There's also the possibility of being hit by a meteor or being swept up by a tornado. These outcomes seemed remote, but it did remind me of something that actually happened to me not so long ago. When we first moved into this house in the late 80s, my wood shop was in the barn. Mostly, I would wait for a sunny day, haul the table saw into the driveway, and go to work. But every once in a while, I had work that needed to be done that couldn't wait for better weather. On one of those occasions, I was cutting some oak trim for the house during a raging thunderstorm. The barn roof is watertight, but there was some mist blowing in from the open barn door, which caused the concrete floor to become wet. Out of nowhere, there was a lightning strike. It sounded like an explosion went off, and the air was filled with the smell of brimstone. When it happened, I thought the barn roof had been struck. But after the event, I was able to see that a blast of lightning hit a white oak tree directly next to the barn. Apparently, a side stream hit the steel roof, and it completely enveloped the barn in a massive electrical field. When this happened, my dog Puma was on the floor next to me and both of us experienced a huge electrical charge that passed through our bodies. The instant that happened, Puma leapt to her feet and ran into the raging thunderstorm, yelping her heart out. As this was happening, everything in the barn was electrified. The lights went out, the table saw stopped running. The moment the electrical field entered the barn, I was in the middle of pushing a board into the table saw, and there was a visible arc of electricity that passed from my hands to the top of the steel saw. In that instant, I felt my heart flutter, and the bottoms of my feet ached where I had grounded out on the concrete floor. My ears were ringing, and I was a little woozy on my feet, but I was delighted that I was still alive. A moment later, the lights came back on, and the table saw slowly returned to full RPM. I reached out to turn off the saw and stood there for a while taking it all in. After a careful inspection, I determined that I wasn't injured, so I went to the house to see how the kids were doing. When the lightning bolt struck, the kids were in the house, and they were startled by the loud explosion. In the confusion that followed, my daughter Lodi threw herself down in the hallway and struck her head on the corner of a kiln that was in the hall closet. Fortunately, she wasn't badly hurt, and after a reassuring hug and, an, and the application of a Band-Aid, she was okay. When I told my son, Ben, that I'd been struck by lightning, he looked at me and said, Do something! I wasn't sure what he meant, and I said, I am. I'm standing here breathing. No, Dad! Show me your superpowers! I never developed any superpowers. But over the years, I've met several people who share this experience. For the most part, they're golfers, fishermen, and farmers. My friend Dale Bond was rushing to get to the house as the storm hit. As he was closing the farm gate, lightning struck the fence somewhere down the line, and he recalled having the same experience of feeling the electricity flow through his body. In the way of things, if you receive a direct hit from lightning, it's almost always fatal. In our case, me and the folks that I've met were encapsulated in an electrical field that was caused by lightning striking something nearby. Being in a side stream doesn't cause the victim to be cooked by the intense heat of a direct hit, and that's what saved us. As it is, 
Everyone I've encountered who shares this experience feels special. And rightfully so, because not only did we survive, we have a great story to share. I'm not sure if this is true, but I figure that having been struck by lightning once makes the odds of being struck again nigh on impossible. And so far, my theory is holding up. But having said this, I know of several examples where people have been hit by lightning more than once, and some of them have been hit many times. The upshot of all of this is the next time Becky wants me to escape the storm, I should probably listen to her. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. This song is, uh, I guess, inspired by my good friend Bob Adair. He gave me a lot of good advice over the years, and this is just kind of a nod to him. It's called Curse the Rain. Curse the rain 
should have been there that day Who's to say what might have changed Never know what it meant to me Throw your weight upon that chain How we do in the day Thanks for tuning in to episode 124 of the Brown County Hour. This show was recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. and anytime online. Be sure to look for us on your favorite streaming services. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe, now more than ever, the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Sarah Lytle, Jim Lemon, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County. Oh